Hello, hola, and konnichiwa. I am your host, Daniel Gabby Vreeland, and this is the Prelim Primer, the one and only podcast fully dedicated to the curtain jerkers. And of course, I'm talking about those fighting on the prelims of upcoming UFC fight cards. This weekend is Overeem versus Sakai, the con at UFC Vegas 9, an exciting heavyweight tilt that, hey, might have title implications in the near future. But of course, on this show, we are going to be breaking down the prelim portion of that card. Now, if you're new to the show and you're wondering, why are we just talking about the prelims? Why not talk about the whole card or at least the main card? The answer is really simple. The answer is that we think you probably have got a place that you go to for that main card help. And you probably don't know too much about these undercard fighters. And there's a lot of money to be won in both daily fantasy sports and in gambling when you know about the prelims. So that's what we're here to do. We're here to help you. And speaking of helping you on daily fantasy sports and gambling, this episode is brought to you by AJ's ActionPackSportsBets.com. AJ is unlike all of those other companies who offer gambling advice because he is not just a list of teams or fighters to put money down on each week that you follow blindly. He does so much more than that. He provides you, his customer, with not just his picks, but also education that you can use for years to come. He does this through in-depth breakdowns that get sent right to your inbox for both gambling and DraftKings. And sometimes it's audio, sometimes it's written, sometimes it's video. He gives you lots of different ways to digest his content. I highly suggest checking it out so that you can make informed decisions and maximize your profit. That's AJ's ActionPackSportsBets.com. The link is in the show notes. And you can, of course, follow AJ on Twitter, at AJMMABetting. You will not be sorry you did. But now it is time for us to get to the bulk of the show. I am joined today by my co-host, Ryan Jarrell from Cageside Press. Ryan, thank you so much for joining me. Hey, always a pleasure. Glad to be back. All right, guys, and as you know who frequent the show, i got to start by putting five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Bartosz Fabinski versus Andre Muniz. Fabinski, 3-1 and one in the UFC. He most recently went up a weight class to middleweight to fight Darren Stewart and took a December or a decision rather back in March right when the coronavirus hit. Muniz, by the way, is 1-0 and in the UFC. He's 3-0 and if you count both of his contender series wins. But the one official UFC win was a decision over Antonio Arroyo. So here's my question for you. Fabinski looked really great with excellent suffocating top game against Darren Stewart. But how do we rate the, the defense of Muniz versus Stewart in, in both the wrestling and the sub game? You know, that's really, really difficult. And I'm, I'm very intrigued uh, about this fight because I'm very high on, on Darren Stewart and Fabinski to, to go and, and get a unanimous decision win over Stewart uh, in March to me was very impressive, you know. And, and when you look at Moon is, um, you know, he has two inter series wins. Uh, he's coming off that UD win over Arroyo. But, you know, all of his four losses, you know, he, he's lost by uh, punches. And, you know, Fabinski, I, I feel like is, I mean, he's three and one in the UFC. Granted, all of those were decisions, but I, I just can't get over the fact that he beat Darren Stewart. I mean, that's a sure win. Like, I just feel like he's going to be a little bit uh, better in that area. Yeah, and, and here's the interesting thing to me about Fabinski too is you're right. Darren Stewart gets beat by Fabinski largely by wrestling. Here's that's a real feather in Fabinski's cap because. Darren Stewart beat Darren Wynn by stuffing his wrestling, right? And Darren Wynn is a guy who's got substantially impressive wrestling. So uh, I'm even higher on Fabinski's ground game here. I think it's really tough to defend against. And, you know, when you're comparing him to against a guy like Andre Muniz, who who really hasn't had a very high level of competition, it's certainly going to be interesting to see how he deals with that. 
Also worth noticing, Darren Stewart, I know we keep bringing him up and he's not even fighting, he has a split decision loss to Edmund Shabazian where he stuffed a lot of his wrestling too. So it's not like Darren Stewart, you know, has a trouble with wrestling, but he really had trouble with Fabinski. So yeah, that's the way I'm leaning to who you got here and how you got him. Yeah, I'm I'm going Fabinski and and I, I do want to show a little bit of respect to Andre here. Um, so I, I will say he'll be able to to survive getting finished, but I got Fabinski uh, via unanimous decision. Yeah, I'm going to take him unanimous decision. I'm even going to go further out on a limb. 30-27, he takes every single round. Uh, and that brings us to our second fight, which is Vivian Arroyo versus Montana De La Rosa. Arroyo had won two straight, but she most recently lost to Jessica I by decision back in December. Montana De La Rosa, 4-1 in the UFC. She recently bounced back from her lone loss against Andrea Lee with a decision victory over Mara Romero Barella. So, you know, if you look back at De La Rosa's only loss in the UFC, it seemed to be when she couldn't get her ground game going, right? Andrea Lee stopped her from getting, you know, her best tool going, her wrestling and her submission skills. How likely is she able to get that started against somebody like Aruya? You know, I, I really like De La Rosa here. And it's funny because I, I was looking at this earlier and I believe uh, Arruyo is the favorite here in this fight. And if you go back and you look at who Montana De La Rosa has lost to, I mean, you mentioned Andrea Lee, but the other a couple of other losses that she has were to Cynthia Calvillo and Mackenzie Dern. I mean, she's losing to legit competitors. Um, you know, she's like you said earlier, too. She had that win over Umbrella. Uh, she also beat beat Rachel Ostevich uh, for what it's worth uh, on the on the ultimate fighter so she's she's very well versed uh she's two and one in the UFC and she's got a great uh husband for a training partner to help get her ready that always has to help when you're living with someone that can really push you um and I just I I really like her here I I think uh Arruyo is going to be a a tough opponent and as we see in a lot of you know lower weight classes for for women's fighters you, you don't see as many finishes as you do with the men um so for that reason i i am thinking that de la rosa is going to get the win i don't think she'll get the finish but i just think she's going to be a little bit better wherever the fight goes in this in this one man i am a big fan of montana de la rosa but i have to say i'm going to differ with you on this one and it's just because the way arroyo plays defense you know, she fought Alexis Davis, who, who is a pretty damn good grappler in her own right. She stuffed all four of Davis's takedowns. She stuffed mm -hmm. Jessica I's only attempt. She stuffed Talia Bernardo, for whatever that's worth, three times out of three. She's got 100% takedown defense on eight attempts in the UFC. And granted, one of them is against, you know, or three of those takedowns are against somebody who doesn't have great takedown offense. But I really love the fact that she stuffed Davis three times. I love that she stuffed I. I would love to see this turn into a grappling match because I think it's more interesting there. I'm just going to take Arroyo by decision instead, though, because I think she's probably going to keep it standing. And that's going to do it for the end of our first round. We're going to take a quick break, come right back, and get going with round number two. This is just a reminder that this show is brought to you by AJ's ActionPackSportsBets.com. That link is in the show notes. You can click on it down there. One of the awesome things that AJ does for you every single week is that he sends you not just his picks, but also pros and cons for each matchup. What might be a key point that you need to know before you lay down money on one side or the other. He also sends you interesting information about DraftKings, which includes who might be owned more often and who might be owned less often, which is really important when you're trying to cash on some of those big money games because you need to hit on some of the guys who are lesser owned. 
He's going to give you all that information. He's going to give it to you in an easy digest way. So check him out and take your gambling to the next level at AJ'sActionPackSportsBets.com. And we are back with round number two. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Alexander Romanov versus Marcos Rogerio de Lima. Romanov, 11-0, making his debut. He has fought almost exclusively for Eagle Fighting Championship, which is an organization out of Moldova, which is where he's from. DeLima, meanwhile, has alternated wins and losses for each of his last nine UFC fights, making him 5-4. Win-loss, 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 win. Most recently, he beat Ben Sosley by TKO in the first round. He lost before that to Stefan Struve in his maybe retirement fight. Who knows? So here's my question for you. Heavyweight MMA, really impossible, especially on the prelims to call. What can you tell us about Romanoff that can make us feel a little bit more confident about who we're picking here? Man, I, I got to be totally transparent, too. With him making his UFC debut, I had to do a little bit of digging to learn a little bit more about him. He clearly looks the part. I mean, as you said, he's 11-0. His last win was by a slam. I mean, he's he's clearly got a ton of power. All of 11 of his wins are, are, are finishes. So this guy is is the real deal, and the UFC is bringing him in. And this is not going to be a layup fight in, in his debut. I mean, De Lima, um, I believe he's actually 6-4 and four in the UFC, if I'm not mistaken. But if you look at who he's lost to, I, I, I keep going back to this. We we're talking about that earlier um, in uh, one of the previous fights there. But, like, really, when you have a strength of schedule and your opponents are, you know, Nikita Krylov, uh, Ovin St. Peru, uh, Stefan Struve, I mean, those are all mainstays. They've been in the UFC for a while now. And those are some of uh, De Lima's losses. I mean, he's, he's got a ton of power. I mean, he's finished guys like Clint Hester before, who who I thought was was very good back in his heyday. So this is not going to be an easy fight for, for either man. Having said that, I... I I do feel like, you know, Romanoff being 11 and 0 coming in here, all 11 of his wins again by by finish. Uh, he, he he has to be a favorite. I I'm leaning this way, but I would not be surprised if Delima caught him and, and gave him his first L. Uh, this is going to be a really interesting fight. Really outside of the of the main event between Overeem um, and Sakai, this might be the fight I'm looking forward to the most. Me too. And and the interesting thing about Romanoff too is the way he mixes his like wrestling with his like weird boxing aggression like it, it's not great boxing but it's aggressive boxing and he leads it right into his wrestling and, and actually I think that's why I'm leaning towards Romanoff here is because Delima, you know you mentioned some of those names and Krilov and, and Clint Hester both those guys 205ers right like Delima has fought down weight classes he's a smaller heavyweight Romanoff is a 265 uses every pound of the weight class kind of heavyweight who's got some wrestling, and, and I think that in itself, along with the pure aggression, will probably be the difference maker here. I'll take Romanoff, first round TKO. Uh, did you did you give me a, a round and a, a method on that one? You know, I, I, I'm going to go Romanoff in, in the second round. I'll, I I have enough respect for Delima that, that I think he'll get out of the first, but yeah, I'm going Romanoff as well. I, I do want to say this one thing, talking about weight classes, I really feel like when you look at a, a lot of the light heavyweights and heavyweights, there really needs to be a cruiserweight division at 225 pounds at some point in the near future. Uh, I hope the UFC makes that happen because there's such a deep talent pool uh, for the big boys, and I feel like breaking it up and allowing there to be that extra weight class so guys can fight a little bit more at their natural 
weight would be nice. So I, I think this is a case here where you were talking about Delima fighting down at 205. Uh, that might be the difference. He's just fighting a bigger, stronger man. And, and if you look at the history of what Romanov's done, uh, what, that would uh, lead us to believe so. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. He would be a great candidate for that. Uh, and let's get get going to our fourth fight here, and that's Cole Smith versus Hunter Asia. Smith, 1-1 one one in the UFC. He led off his career by beating Mitch Gagnon. Uh, he followed that up with a loss to Miles John by split decision. Certainly no shame in that. Hunter Azier also won and won in the UFC. He beat Brad Katona in his debut and most recently got knocked silly by Brian Boom Keller. A big, violent TKO. Now, here, here's my question for you. Cole Smith, if you look back at his regional record, if you look back at his UFC record, he always seems to get these very strong, short wrestler types, right? Because even Miles John and Mitch Gagnon, both of those guys sort of fit that. Do you think Asia's closer talent-wise to Miles John or to Mitch Gagnon? I think he's closer to Miles John's. I mean, if if you look at uh, you know Hunter's uh, accolades for for his wrestling ability, and you know they they talked to him when he came into the Contender Series and had that unanimous decision win over uh, Chris O'Conn. I mean, he looked amazing, you know. And as you said earlier, you know he had that win over Brad Catone. And I mean, look, Brian Kelleher just kind of surprises people. I'm not saying that 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 uh, Asia overlooked him or anything like that but he's just one of those guys that's tough to prepare for and he's just got kind of a very unique style and he's he's oddly enough on this very same card so we'll obviously dive into that later but i i mean hunter was eight and one as an amateur and cole smith was as an amateur granted you know that's where you kind of learn and you grow and everything and they're pros now and eight and one for azure versus seven and one for cole smith but i just think collectively speaking if you just look at their resumes and and the level of competition that they fought i'm leaning towards hunter here and and i think he gets back um in the win column and and gets that that uh, ugly uh, taste out of his mouth from that loss to kelleher and, and I'm actually going to differ with you on this one, too. Uh, while I definitely agree with all you're saying about Asia, I do think he's closer to Miles John than he is to Mitch Gagnon. I still don't think it's enough to get by Cole Smith here. And I know he's an underdog, but just, you know, like the fact that for me that he took down Miles John, he took down Mitch Gagnon, like they weren't the ones, I mean, Miles John landed a takedown, but he was the one taking down them. He's the one passing their guard. He's the one, you know, with submission attempts in those fights. I, I think that plays well against a guy like Hunter Asia, and in the long run, too, Cole Smith definitely has the advantage on the feet. So if they still made out on the floor, I, I think Cole Smith, you're going to see a little bit of his, his Thai boxing training coming through, and, and I think you might see him edge out a pretty close decision here. Uh, and that's going to do it for the end of our second round. We're going to be right back after a word from our sponsors. All right, guys, by now you've heard me say over and over again that AJ's Action Pack SportsBets.com is the place to go if you need game gambling or daily fantasy sports advice. But you don't just have to listen for me. You can look on his website. There are tons of people and respected people within this field who talk about how great AJ is all the time. Marcel Dorf, you might know him as MMA DNA. You can see him at BigMarcel24 on Twitter. He's talking about how great AJ is and how knowledgeable he is. You can check out his information on AJ's website. I'm saying it. You can find it from people who subscribe to him saying it. Bottom line is, AJ is doing a great job at winning his clients' money, and you could be one of those people at AJ'sActionPackSportsBets.com. And we are back with round number three. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. 
And we're going to start this round by talking about Jalen Turner versus Tiago Moises. Turner, 2-1 in his last three. He beat Josh Colabao last time out. Before that, he lost to Matt Fravola. Moises, 2-1 in his last three as well. He beat Michael Johnson by heel hook last time out. Before that, he had lost to Demir Ismagulov. So here's the question here. Jalen Turner, a lot of his deadliest strikes come from ground and pound, right? Like he's got a ton of stoppages that way. He's heavy on top and he's vicious on top. Does he even want to be on top of Tiago Moises? I don't think so, man. Like, I, Moises is legit. I mean, he's got almost as many finishes as Turner has wins, you know. Uh, Moises has seven finishes. He trains at, at one of the best gyms in the world. I mean, he's beat guys like Kurt Hollibaugh, Jamal Emers, and as you said before, Mike Jonathan. I mean, this guy's legit, and I don't think that Turner wants to play that game with him. I, I truly believe the only way Turner wins this fight uh, is if he catches him and, and finishes him. And it's, I'm not saying that he can't do that, but I just feel like uh, Tiago here is is just a more seasoned in fighter. I mean, you look at some of his losses, Benil Darius, J- Jason Knight. He's legit, and and I think uh, he's a heavy favorite for a reason. Uh, so Turner's going to be, I think, very careful uh, and stick to a, a very specific game plan uh, if he wants to get a win here. I, I don't, I don't like his chances. Yeah, and I agree with you there too. You know, you mentioned he doesn't want to be on top of him, and you mentioned all of those great, you know, finishes that he's got by submissions or you know, like dominating Kurt Holub on the ground. Also worth noticing, he's got some crazy submissions, too. He, he hit a helicopter armbar back in RFA, which is one of the sickest submissions I've seen off of somebody's back. He TKO'd Jamal Emmers, who, who we've talked about on this show a couple of times. He's also got power in his hands. He's like a legit threat in multiple places. So, yeah, I, I like Tiago Moises here. I think he could get it done in a number of ways. But I think probably most likely we're going to see a submission here because... I really think his submission skills are next level. Uh, did you give me a method on them? Who, who, how do you like him winning this one? I, I do agree. I think a submission uh, is, is what we're going to see. But I think it's going to get all the way to the third round before it happens. So uh, I'm going to give Jalen Turner a little bit of credit because I do think he's a tough guy. Um, I just think Moises is, is, is a little bit more well-rounded. I like it. All right. Well, that brings us to our last fight, which is Brian Boom Kelleher, the aforementioned, versus Kevin Natividad filling in on late notice, which – we're certainly getting used to here. So Keller, he finished Odie Osborne and Hunter Azure back to back, but then he lost that winning streak in a tough decision to Cody Stamen. Natividad, meanwhile, as I said, is making his short notice debut at 9-1. He last beat Kyle Estrada back at LFA 85. That was in July, so he's been staying active. Now, for those of you who haven't seen Natividad, he is a newcomer who really likes to get in your face. He really likes to move forward, and he seems to be fine taking a punch or taking a kick in order to throw one and land one of his own. How do you think that plays against somebody like Brian Keller? I don't think it plays well, actually, because Kelleher really seems to excel in scrambles. He's he's really hard to – he's just kind of a, a wild card in a sense. You know, I don't ever think that he's going to to crack the, the top you know five of the division. I, I don't – I hate to use the term gatekeeper, but Brian Kelleher's no joke. He's legit. I mean, who who's – no sense in hanging your head to, if you lose to Cody Stamen. I mean, Cody Stamen is is the man, you know, but he's got wins, as you mentioned. O- Ode Osborne, uh, Hunter Azure, Uriel Comp. Henan Barrow. I mean, Kelleher is is someone that is going to be in in this weight class uh, for years to come. And I just, I mean, talk about getting thrown to a, I don't want to say thrown to the wolves, but this is not an easy fight for your UFC debut. Um, and with that style that Kelleher has, where he, he does excel in scrambles, and, and and I do think he kind of likes that dogfight a little bit. 
Um, I think it's going to be a, a recipe for a disaster for uh, for Kevin here in his debut. I, I, you know, who knows? Maybe he will be able to catch him. I mean, Kelher isn't immune to being finished. We we have seen that before, but uh, I do think the the little bit more of the veteranship that Kelleher has will be able to withstand any type of uh, you know barrage that uh, Nativa uh, Dodd uh, brings his way. Yeah, and you mentioned you know Odie Osborne and Hunter Asia there and Barrow and Alcantara. It, this dude has had a crazy regional career, too, because he beat Julio Arce twice in the regionals. He beat Andre Sukumta in the regionals. He fought and lost to Jimmy Rivera back in 2013 in Bellator. Like, this guy has had himself a freaking career. And, and you're 100% right. He's a veteran. He's the kind of guy who, when somebody gets in his face, he's got answers. And even when he gets cracked, he's usually got an answer and he responds couple of unlucky knockouts, like, right? Like, he got knocked out by John Lineker. Anybody gets knocked out by John Lineker, and he took, you know, 13 minutes of punishment to, in order for it to happen. So, I, I love his durability, and I think you're 100% right. Nativity Dodd here has got a bad style to fight somebody like like Brian Kelleher. So, I'm going to go Kelleher. I'm going to say he gets it done, and I'm going to go a little bit wild card on this. I'm going to say he gets it done with a submission here. I, I'm going to say Brian Kelleher's submission. How do you got him winning? I actually agree with that 100%. I, I, I do say submission, uh, and I don't think it's going to happen early. I think it's going to be something where his veteran gamesmanship uh, catches Kevin uh, late in the fight. Uh, I'm going to say third round. All right, guys, and there you have it. We gave you six fights in just over 15 minutes. Now you know everything there is to know about the prelims, or at least enough, so that you can feel comfortable either gambling or playing daily fantasy sports. I want to thank my co-host Ryan Jarrell from Between Rounds Radio and Cage Side Press for joining me. Ryan, thanks so much for the time, man. Hey, thank you. I appreciate it.